And welcome back to the Rebuilding New York Football Podcast. This is a uh, this is a big one. So we're usually a Tuesday Thursday podcast, of course. Uh, yesterday there was no podcast, and the reason for that was that we uh, had a little bit of an inkling that the Robert Salah deal was was coming, and uh, wanted to hold off on it before putting something together on Thursday morning that would have been outdated. Um, And here we are on Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, And today's episode is really going to be who's Robert Sala, what's the defensive scheme that he runs, and uh, what can we expect from the offense and Mike LaFleur being announced as the offensive coordinator of the New York Jets. Um and uh, kind of what the roster looks like with these guys running the show, because things are going to start to look different. Uh, this team is not really built for the two schemes that are going to be put into place. You're going to see a lot of movement this offseason. Um, we'll talk about who fits and who really doesn't fit uh, this offense and defense that they're going to be implementing and um yeah and we're going to talk about robert Sala's background um of course we know him as the 49ers defensive coordinator for the past four years but and a lot i mean he's been in the league for 20 20 years something like that maybe 16 years uh coaching for 20 plus years he's 41 um so I guess it would be 20 plus years, 20 years, uh, 19 years around there. Um, so we're going to talk about that, where he's from, uh, who this guy is, defensive scheme. We're going to go over what the uh, Seattle scheme is, because that is what he is running and what he has been running. Of course, the scheme that is prominent in the NFL, it's probably one of the most run defensive schemes um, in football right now. That's uh, probably like 10 or so teams that run it. Um, and yeah, so let's just hop right into it with who is Robert Sala, uh, born in Dearborn, Michigan, right there. He's 41 years old. That's where the Detroit Lions rumors came in. Said he was from the, uh, Dearborn, Michigan. He uh, gets his start. Um, uh in Michigan as a as a coach as a defensive assistant at uh, Michigan State in Central Michigan, um, of course he attends college at Northern Michigan. He's in the class of 2000, 2001, around there. He majors in finance. Uh, he started all four years there as a tight end, earning low conference honors, and uh, accepts a. a gig as a grad assistant with Michigan Miss wow Michigan State uh in 2002 uh Bobby Williams was the coach at the time he's the Oregon special teams coordinator right now and uh John Smith was the defensive coordinator so he was there at Michigan State in 0203 and then in 04 he takes a job as a defensive assistant for Central Michigan. Oddly enough, on that coaching staff was uh, Matt LaFleur, 
the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Those two would grow close um, over their time at CMU together. And Salah would end up being the best man at LaFleur's wedding, uh, something that I believe was everywhere in the NFC Championship game. And I think what's most interesting is that the head coach of Central Michigan at that time was Brian Kelly, head coach Notre Dame. It was his first year, and he brought these two guys on as grad assistants, and now they're both head coaches in the NFL. It's pretty cool. Wow, very lispy today. Um, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, Robert Sala leaves Central Michigan and heads down to Georgia as a defensive assistant in 05. Mark Reich uh, was the head coach at the time. William Martinez, who's UCF's uh, one of their defensive coaches, now he's assistant head coach and uh, I believe their secondaries coach. Um, so he heads down there. Then he heads to Houston, where he becomes the Texans defensive quality control coach from 06 to 08. Gary Kubiak is his head coach. Uh, and Rick uh, or Rich Smith is um, the DC who uh, is now with the Chargers, I believe, as the linebackers coach. Gary Kubiak I find interesting because that is a similar offensive scheme. Uh, Kubiak was one of the, the minds to uh, toy with that Shanahan offensive scheme. He was one of the people that has made it into what it is today. Uh, obviously, he was most recently with the Vikings as their offensive coordinator. Um, but it, it, it's... It's just an interesting crossover that um, he was uh, coaching under Kubiak, who is uh, a prominent name in the West Coast offense world. Um, so he stays with the Texans um, for 2009-2010, where he becomes the assistant linebackers coach. Uh, what, what's interesting about this one is Kubiak is still the coach. Uh, Rich Smith moves on, and Frank Bush, the now former Jets defensive coordinator, was the defensive coordinator for the Texans at the time. So that's something to keep an eye on as the staff is made. That's someone that could be saying. Uh, Salah has a connection there, and... Um, that's usually kind of how these things go. I don't know what role he would have. I don't know if he um, would be interested in it. It's maybe it's a little weird for him because given that he was just an assistant linebackers coach, um, and the roles would be reversed in all a big way. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's just something to keep an eye on as we see the staff announced. Uh, so after the Texans in 2010, uh, he gets a job with the Seahawks as a defensive quality control coach from 2011-2013. Under in uh, 2011, Pete Carroll and Gus Bradley are there. Uh, Gus Bradley is, of course, uh, someone that we're going to be talking about as we discuss the Seattle scheme later. Given that he is pretty much one of the main defensive minds that came up with it. Uh, I think it gets attributed to Pete Carroll a lot. 
but I do believe that uh, Gus Bradley had a lot to do with what it became because of how it stems off of Tampa too. Um, and Gus Bradley was down in Tampa Bay when um, Pete Carroll poached him to become a defensive coordinator. So Pete Carroll and Gus Bradley are there in 2011 and 2012. Uh, Gus Bradley gets the job with the Jaguars, but uh, Salah stays behind and they win a Super Bowl in 2013 with Pete Carroll as the head coach, of course, and Dan Quinn as the defensive coordinator. Um, so Salah has a ring. Um, and now you see Salah move on after that season. 2014 to 2016, Jaguars linebackers coach. Um, Gus Bradley is the head coach. And uh, until 2016, where Doug Marone takes over and Todd Wash becomes the defensive coordinator, Salah stays there after Bradley is fired. Um, and uh, he coaches under Doug Marone and Todd Wash, who were recently fired from the Jaguars job. They, of course, had it for four years after 2016 or three years. I guess it would be four years after 2016. Um, Salah moves on after the 2016 season, getting the defensive coordinator job with uh, uh, when Kyle Shanahan gets the head coaching gig with the 49ers. Um, so he becomes the 49ers defensive coordinator from 2017 to 2020. Uh, it's four years, one Super Bowl appearance. Um, he is 41, as I said. Um, six kids. Uh, the personal life aspect is kind of hidden in some ways. Um, it's it's interesting. It's not. This is a hire that, as much as it's about his defensive scheme. It's about who this man is as a leader and a CEO type. It's everything the Jets wanted when they were looking at uh, the list of head coaches. They were enthralled with how Robert Sala interviewed. From everything I heard, this is not someone with any Joe Douglas ties, uh, but someone that everyone was blown away with during the interview process. Um. And I, I do think that's a pretty big deal. Um, who do we see on a staff? That, that's an interesting question. Uh, it sounds like uh, D'Amico Ryan's is going to get the 49ers defensive coordinator position, which is fine. Uh, I, I do think that we see either Ken Norton Jr. or Chris Richard land the defensive coordinator gig for the uh, Jets. It uh, it would have been probably going to Gus Bradley or even uh, a Dan Quinn if the Jets had made this hire earlier in the weeks. Uh, those two, of course, were uh, both hired recently by the Raiders and the Cowboys. Uh, it's not really that big of a deal, but it, it it's just something to note. Uh, Ken Norton Jr. just left or was fired from the Cowboys got job, and I think Chris Richard was out of the NFL this past year, took a year off, uh, was a hot head coaching candidate a couple of years ago before taking this year off. Right, so that's kind of the boring part of this 
this hire where we know the background's awesome, right? We we know he, he checks all the boxes. He's he's learned under uh, Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Brian Kelly, um, Gus Bradley. He under Mark Reich, um, Gary Kubiak. He's been around a lot of different head coaches in the league. Uh, so that's kind of like we we know that. Um, it's it's pretty special when you bring in a candidate like that, and you are able to not only make the the hire, but given the fact that this was the second hire of the coaching cycle, Salah picked the Jets as much as the Jets picked Salah. And I think that means something, right? He wanted to be tied to the organization for the next five years. That was not the case when it came to the past couple of head coaches, right? Adam Gase kind of fell into the lap of the Jets. The Jets didn't have Adam Gase as their number one priority, um, as far as I remember. And recall i don't remember todd bowles being the number one guy in that cycle either i just don't um this is the second guy to the second domino to fall in the head coaching cycle and the urban meyer hire that just had nothing to do with urban meyer they had nothing to do with him so it's not like the Jets didn't get their pick of the litter in a lot of ways. Maybe they knew that Dayball was going to the Chargers and that Salah had another offer coming. Maybe if the Chargers wanted Salah, they were going to offer him and Salah would have taken that job. Uh, we could play those games all you want, but at the end of the day... It's a five-year deal. He's tied to Joe Douglas for the next five years. He could have went back to Detroit. Um, It sounds like the coaching search in Detroit is a mess right now. Um, I don't think Houston even tries to interview him for God knows what reason. They're as much of a mess as Detroit, probably worse. Uh, but I guess with Nick Casario just getting there, they probably riding the ship. Uh, they're just a couple of months behind. Um, but at the end of the day, Salah picks the Jets as much as the Jets pick Salah. And I think that that's important because that that just hasn't been the case with um, the past couple of coaches. It just hasn't. Um, And it's interesting because the Jets were not the top job in this cycle. Right? They could have been if they had the first overall pick. Uh, or they would have been second. In my opinion, 
the uh sorry fixing my mic charger shop was the most appealing the jaguars a close to but it, it's uh maybe a bit of a risk but you do have the first overall pick get a lot of draft capital to figure it out and then it's the jets um you want to throw Houston in there because they have their franchise quarterback. That's fine. They also seem like a mess. So anyway, moving on to what defense does Robert Sal run and the history of that defense. So let's start this off with it was developed by Pete Carroll and Gus Bradley, uh, mostly Gus Bradley, really put uh, his input into this. Um, the teams that run the scheme are the Seahawks, the Chargers, uh, the Falcons, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Colts, obviously the 49ers, and the Jaguars run the scheme. Run the scheme. It's a pretty simple scheme. It's play fast, not a lot of thought to it, but you need the talent and speed to use this scheme or else it's kind of um, it's easy to gash for the offense. There's no um, if athletes aren't on the field. So what is it? It's a cover three press, uh, press bail coverage. So the cornerbacks are jamming and dropping into cover three and uh, trying not to get beat deep. Um, another way that it's called is cover through robber because the strong safety drops into the uh, into a low zone um, while the free safety ends up kind of being that center fielder. It's uh, a spot that you're probably going to see Marcus May play uh, being that center fielder if they do, in fact, re-sign him. Uh, this scheme started as Tampa 2 and uh, with Gus Bradley in Tampa. Pete Carroll would spend a lot of time in Florida in the offseason with Tampa Bay staff, just picking their brain and whatnot. Before he got the job with Seattle, he brings Gus Bradley, who is the linebackers coach, along with him. So it's three deep, single safety, uh, single safety meaning one safety is dropping. Corners play up in the face of the wide receivers, but they're really playing zone. Um, they jam, don't want anyone behind them, uh, and don't want anyone beat them deep. It's pretty much always zone. It's pretty simple because quarterbacks will always know what you're running, but simple is good because of how it makes players play. They play fast and simple. right? It's hard to gash the defense, but there are certain ways to um, to beat them. Right? It's it's run so often in the league now that there are specific plays that are put into place that gash the zone and uh, can kind of make um, defenses pretty much break their own rules in a lot of ways. Um, think about how you would attack a zone in basketball, right? Or for those of you who, who played 
I know we have a lot of Long Island people that listen, and maybe some Jersey and upstate New York, but think about how you attack a zone on lacrosse, right? It, it's nothing different. It's the same uh, type of concepts when you're trying to, to break a zone in football. Obviously, it's a different game, but you're trying to kind of split the seam between the two guys or drag a guy out because you're you're filling the zone right with multiple players things like that because at the end of the day it's cover three and you're four under um right so that's the next part of this so you have three deep four under you have the three linebacker it's four three uh so you have the three linebackers uh playing hook curl zones across the board and then the strong safety is also playing in that role too and dropping down um to cover um sometimes you'll it'll be a three under and and the strong safety will will play a different role um it depends on what variation are they playing the situation of course but this is kind of just the base of the defense uh you can get a little creative with it in terms of that it's they don't blitz this that's kind of the whole point of this um it, and the whole point of why the Tampa 2 defense was together is because guys like uh, Tony Dungy, uh, they didn't want to blitz guys anymore, right? So they would put Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, of course, with his time with the Colts, uh, and he'd go after the pa- uh, the the quarterback with those two guys and not blitz anybody and they just rush four and they'd get to the quarterback and you have seven guys dropping into coverage and you don't have to blitz anybody and you're still able to get to the quarterback it's a big deal that's how you create a dominant defense and that's why um you're gonna see the jets address the edge position they're gonna bring in a pass rusher it's going to happen. This the, the the defense doesn't work if you, there's no pass rush. It's probably the most important part of what this defense is. I know you see when think of the Legion of Boom when you think of the Seattle defenses, but in reality, guys like Cliff Averill and Chris Clemens and Michael Bennett were the heart and soul of that defense and what made them so special because they always got to the quarterback. Um, so it, it's just, it's stuff like that, that can really make this defense. And, uh, we'll talk, I guess we could talk about it now. John, Jonathan Franklin Myers and Quentin Williams are going to have a field day in this defense. It's going to be go after the quarterback, you two. And, um, we'll see who else they keep around on the defensive line. There's going to be changes, um, they're uh, they're pretty well set up for uh, defensive line wise for this defense. They're probably gonna have to bring in outside linebackers now that it's gonna be a four three. CJ Mosley is gonna be that Bobby Wagner type. They're probably gonna bring back Marcus May now, who's gonna play the Earl Thomas role. Who is Cam? Is really the the big question. Um. And who is the pass rusher? Um, 
do you trust Ashton Davis to be that Cam Chancellor kind of guy? I don't know. He's raw. He would probably benefit from working with Salah, but we don't know if they'll bring in um, another guy to play that strong safety role. I know I'd rather have the two first-round picks and the third, but Jamal Adams would have fit this role really well. He's playing that role in Seattle. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Franklin Myers and Quentin Williams will flourish with the defense. Bryce Hall would fit well. You're going to see long, fast corners um, make appearance at the position. You don't need to pay at the, the, the like, pay for players. You could draft guys in the middle of the rounds, rounds uh, day two and day three guys to come in and play corner in this defense. It's press bail. It's not overly complicated. You're not putting anyone on, on an island. Uh, a, my, a name that comes to mind is Tyson Campbell from Georgia as being a target, maybe a day two target, uh, depending on if he falls or not. He could be someone that fits the mold. He's 6'2", and he, he's fast, and he has good hands. Um, he's not someone you put on an island, but he's solid. Bryce Hall fits the defense really well with how long he is. He just has to learn it. Um, I'm curious to see how fast he truly is, um, because that that's really what it comes down to. Like I said, pass rush is the most important part of the defense. Uh, and, and as I said before, you, you recognize the name of the Legion of Boom, but the, what made the defense so special is the front four. Um, even think back to the 49ers team that went to the, the Super Bowl. DeForest Buckner, Bosa, Armstead, D. Ford. Like, that's what made that defense so good. It wasn't Richard Sherman. Like, he... Richard Sherman is a shell of his former self, and that's no disrespect to him. He's an awesome player, but he hasn't been right since that Achilles injury. Um, He's just not as fast. Think back to the NFC Championship game. Devontae Adams cooked him. Um, But what made that defense so special? Is the front four, so that's that's pretty cool to, to uh, see an emphasis potentially on pass rush. We haven't seen that since, I guess, the Rex Ryan days. And even then, there was no real premier pass rusher. We haven't seen that since the Jonathan Abraham days. Um, Jonathan Abraham. John Abraham. Wow. Um, yeah, so... If you're looking for his defensive rankings to blow you away, uh, I, I don't know if you're really ever going to get that. 2017, the 49ers were 22nd in points, 24th in yards, 22nd in passing yards, 24th in passing touchdowns, 22nd in rushing yards, and 18th in rushing touchdowns allowed. Um, obviously towards the bottom, but if you look back at the 2017 roster, it's atrocious. Uh, 2018, you have 28th in points, uh, 28th in points allowed, 13th in yards allowed, passing yards allowed, 11th, 31st in touchdowns allowed. 
uh, passing touchdowns allowed, 14th in rushing yards allowed, 15th in rushing touchdowns allowed. And then the big jump in 2019, 8th in points allowed, 2nd in yards allowed, 1st in passing yards allowed, 13th in passing touchdowns allowed, 17th in rushing yards allowed, 7th in rushing touchdowns allowed. So once they started to get their guys in there, things started to turn around. And in 2020, 17th in points allowed, 5th in yards allowed, 4th in passing yards allowed, 13th in passing touchdowns allowed, 7th in rushing yards allowed, and 4th in rushing touchdowns allowed. And that's with a lot of injuries to that team and that defense. That was a very beat-up 49ers team that has no business being in... um, in the com- in the top half of the league defensively. So that's really the defensive side of it. Um, and I guess we move on to the offense and talk about Mike LaFleur. So we don't know for sure what LaFleur is going to run, but here's what we know really about Kyle Shanahan. Uh, we're going to assume that it's going to be the same scheme. First off, before we even get into this, Darnold does fit what they're trying to build. Zach Wilson fits what they're trying to build. And so does Trey Lance Jr. So it's going to be between those three. Justin Fields, you can make it happen. Um, I'm not going to say you can't, but if you're talking about perfect scheme fit, personally, I think Trey Lance Jr. fits the best of the three. That's in my eyes. That's how I view him. I think he's a better prospect than Zach Wilson is. Uh, at this point, maybe I need to do more work on Wilson, but uh, I think right now I'm a little higher on Trey Lance Jr. Um, and that's going into, I think I've done six games of the two of them each. Um, Justin Fields, I haven't done enough to finally grade him, but have a good feel of where I'll, I'll end up putting him. So on that Shanahan offense, uh, fast athletic players are a must. Uh, They run the ball to control the clock and to open up more space. Everything is done for a reason. Not just calling plays out there. You're setting up the next play call. Uh, It's an outside zone scheme that leads to play action passes. All the concepts and plays that they run look similar to something else that they'll run later on. So they'll line up in the same formation, same pre-snap motion, and it'll be a different variation of the play or apply. It'll look like it's going to be the same play, and it's kind of that's how they kind of toy with the defense. Um, so offensive line-wise, he prefers lighter athletic offensive linemen because of how they have to move laterally in this offense. Um, This, if you want to argue that it it doesn't really, it fits Becton because of how fast he actually is. Um, But it also really fits Penny Subel with how fast and how he's able to pull and move laterally on the football field at Oregon. It's just something to keep in mind. Um, running back wise they need to be shifty speedy and have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield uh, 
Ty Johnson is probably the back that comes to mind that fits that offense off the top of my head. P. Ryan does not fit this offense. He doesn't. Uh, and, and that's what I mean when I started this pod is that you're going to see some changes. Um, I expect them to draft someone in the maybe a little later in the round, maybe round three or four. Uh, I see a lot of guys saying, oh, we could just take someone around and uh, day three. That That's kind of not the, the point of what they try to do. Um, don't forget they also overpaid for Jarek McKinnon. They're not looking for like anybody to play the running back position. They're looking for sub four fours. Uh, so it's not going to be Najee Harris. Uh, assuming that LaFleur follows the Shanahan rules. So the variation of play kind of depends on the opponent's uh, player strengths and weaknesses, and it dictates everything down from uh, what route they're running and how they block. It's estimated that 60% of install plays uh, every week. Um, and, and Shanahan, like, he draws up plays on the sideline. There are stories of him drawing up plays to George Kittle that have never been run before, basically saying it's everyone run the same round. George Kittle, instead of um, running an out, you're going to sift, right? And Jimmy Garoppolo is going to roll out to his right, uh, plant his right foot, and turn back and throw the football to you. And there's a story about him doing it in, like, 2019 against the Broncos um, where he ends up scoring a touchdown on a play that was basically drawn in the dirt. Um, so just something cool to hear about Shanahan. Um, obviously LaFleur isn't Shanahan, but we can assume that LaFleur is going to be running something similar to Shanahan, given that he's been learning under him for a while. So like another example of them scheming things up would be they'll split out three wide receivers to the right or left side of the line. We'll say the right for this. Um, they'll hand it off to... Raheem Mostart, right? And basically, what the three wide receivers, what their purpose is, is to just extend the line of scrimmage. They're creating holes for the running back instead of just letting the running back hit the outside. He's kind of reading how the defense is reacting and cutting up field um, if a hole opens up. So... It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Like I said, P. Ryan is not going to fit. They're going to be looking for speedy backs, um, sub 4-4 four, four backs. Um, we'll see how the running backs run at this one. At this four, at this combine, I'm assuming that Javante Williams is going to put on a nice field day for them. Uh, that's someone to keep an eye on. Javion Hawkins is another guy that might be around four or five guy. Doesn't have the biggest build, but is is pretty shifty and um, can can be that sub four four forty that they're they're looking for. So that's a little bit about. Oh, I guess we could we could discuss the the offense. Um, I don't see any of the interior offensive line men staying besides maybe McGovern because of the contract obligation. If they're looking to run this offense, 
I think you see um, them make a real push to Joe Thune and um, potentially a guard in the draft that can move. Um, George Fant depends on if they go the Sewell route, but George Fant kind of fits the offense. Um, who else? P. Ryan doesn't. Ty Johnson does. Uh, Denzel Mims is going to be an interesting one. It, it's not that he isn't going to be good, but I don't think he's the best fit for the offense. Uh, I think Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk builds kind of yak guys. Maybe Denzel Mims can can learn something like that, but he's a bigger body. He's pretty fast, though. So if maybe he puts a little more muscle on, we end up seeing him take over one of those roles, but it, it's kind of a stretch to me. Uh, Crowder kind of fits it. Perryman doesn't fit it. Uh, Barrios kind of fits it. Um, so maybe they end up addressing the um, the wide receiver position somewhere else. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't even know if LaFleur runs the Shanahan offense. We don't know yet. So, and uh, we don't know if he has his own stuff that he's been getting ready for. So, I, I'm definitely not gonna sit here and say that Mims like it. Just it's a weird fit. Um, but I'm sure they're gonna figure out how to use this talent. You know, you build around your players. You don't shove your players into a specific scheme. Um, so. Yeah, so I think that's going to wrap up today's podcast. Monday or Tuesday, we're going to be starting to talk uh, more draft. We're probably going to do a little bit of senior bowl stuff. That's coming up. Um, And then we're going to start breaking down both teams by position. We'll do quarterback, running back, so on and so forth, all the way through the whole roster. Um We'll do a special breakdown of the rest of Salah's staff. We'll do the Giants staff as well, assuming there are going to be changes there, um, as there are for every staff. But thank you guys for listening. Um, I know it's a short one, but uh, this this is a great hire for the Jets. And he is uh, a good defensive mind, a great defensive mind, really. And uh, you should be excited about what the offense can uh, can be going forward. All right, guys. Peace out.